Hello, bonjour, thank you for listening to Just Claudia podcast, episode 7, on the 7th of May, 2020. Today is the 49th day of lockdown in France. My name is Claudia, and I am an English teacher in France. I am originally from Singapore, a little country in Southeast Asia, and have been living in France for four years, since 2016 in a little town called Orsay, 30 kilometers away from Paris. This podcast is about the bits and pieces of my life in France. Through this podcast, you can learn things about Singapore and view France from a new perspective, from the eyes of a Singaporean. In this episode, I'm going to talk about our neighbors, our upstairs neighbors, who occupy the flat directly above us. Like many flat dwellers, Silvio and I keep to ourselves. Our contact with the other residents in the building is limited to the banal greetings of bonjour or bonsoir when we see them in the parking lot, the lift, or the hallway. We bought this flat two years ago. It's situated in a newish four-story building constructed in the 70s. It seems that the French considered anything that was built in the 20th century as new. Life has been tranquil in this building of less than 20 units, made up of retirees, singles and small families. The petty problems relating to the building amenities will be addressed by our lady concierge, while the more complicated ones will be handled by the building management agent, or what they called the syndic. Everything was dandy until... The apartment directly above us is owned by an old French couple whom we believe used the apartment as a secondary residence, which is quite common in France. Unlike Singapore, where every inch of land is gold and most of us are just happy to be able to afford one apartment. As I was saying, the apartment upstairs. The apartment is currently mainly inhabited by their grandson. Let's call him M.W., M.W. is in his early 20s, an apprentice in the culinary school. He moved in in the second half of last year. Our first contact with the upstairs neighbours was around October last year. M.W. threw a party that lasted well after midnight on a Friday evening. Perhaps it was the bad sound insulation. Perhaps the youngsters were just too loud. We heard a fair bit of the carousing especially when they went out to party on the balcony. They were drinking themselves crazy. We heard someone vomiting on the balcony. Since it was a Friday evening and that it was their first transgression, we did not confront them. Besides, we did not want to appear to be a pair of old fogies who hated merriment. However, the following morning, when Silvio went out to our balcony, we saw traces of vomit on our railings. That raised his hackles. Immediately, he changed out of his pyjamas and turned it up to confront our young neighbour. Silvio was greeted at the door by the grandson, who claimed that he was sleeping at that time. He apologised sheepishly for not being able to take better care of his friend. That was then when he told Silvio about his apprenticeship and his relationship with the old copper. The following day, the grandson came knocking at our door with a peace offering gift of five pieces of homemade galette gassable breton, a kind of butter cookies from Brittany, a region in the west of France. We liked the galettes and the episode was soon forgotten. 
Our second encounter with the upstairs neighbors was in December last year. For a few days just before Christmas, the grandparents seemed to have taken over the apartment while their grandson was away. Partying jeans must be dominant in this family. This time around, it was the grandparents who organized a dinner party that started late and lasted well past midnight. Unfortunately, it was the same night that Sylvia and I were stuck for five hours in the Paris traffic jam on our way home. The French public transportation was in gridlock in December due to crippling nationwide strikes. Paris was hit the hardest due to its heavy reliance on metro and the intercity trains. We avoided Paris as much as possible unless I had classes scheduled in Paris. On that particular day, Sylvia drove me to Paris. After a mentally exhausting day, Sylvia was frustrated at being kept up by the streams of murmurs, the occasional thumping songs, and the frequent click-clack sounds of high heels tapping on the floor upstairs. After discussions of whether we should approach the neighbors and hoping against hope that the noises would tone down in the meantime, Sylvia approached our neighbors after midnight. He was greeted by the grandfather, formally dressed in a suit with a bow tie. The grandfather seemed a bit tipsy, and before Sylvia could voice his complaint, he invited Sylvia to join them for dinner. Through the hallway, Sylvia could see that there was a kid jumping enthusiastically up and down the bed. That explained the thumping sounds we heard in our bedroom. A lady, assumed to be his wife, joined him at the entrance. Sylvia had caught the culprits of the click-clack sounds. She was wearing a pair of high heels. For me, coming from the culture where everyone goes barefooted at home to ensure that the house is clean at all times, I still cannot get used to the Western culture of wearing shoes in one's home. Not only just shoes, but wearing uncomfortable footwear, such as high heel shoes. I will leave the topic of wearing shoes at home for another day. I have lots to say about civil letting service providers into our flat with their shoes on. Of course, Sylvia declined politely this invitation. He asked them to keep their voices down and left right after. It was around this time that Sylvia adopted the habit of turning on our electric table rotating fan. He claimed that the whirling songs of the rotating fan creates the white noise effect which helps him to fall asleep. Sylvia is a light sleeper. If he cannot get a good night's sleep, the following day is basically ruined as he will not be able to function. So, we would switch on the fan every night, even in the midst of winter. The third encounter was mid-April, during the lockdown. That means now, MW's friends, at least four of them, came over. They entered the building late in the evening. We could hear them passing through the hallway as they walk up to MW's apartment. Intermittently, we would hear their talking voices, music blasting, and dull thumping noises floating down to us as the late evening passed into the wee hours. Not only were they inconsiderate enough to party into the night, well after the local noise curfew time of 10pm, they had the audacity to invite friends over during the lockdown. Actually, that night was not the only night during the lockdown that they had the party. Each time, Sylvia and I would discuss whether to confront them. Usually, after much tergiversation, we would give up the idea. I was tired that day. Amidst the noises from above and partially muffled by the white noise effect of the fan, I managed to fall asleep just past 2 
in the morning. It was only the following day that Silvio told me he called them out the night before. He related that he was so frustrated that he did not mince his words and told them brusquely to laissez-moi dormir, let me sleep. Like the first encounter, the soft-spoken M.W. apologized sheepishly and he seemed contrite. After the episode, we had two weeks of relative tranquility. There were occasionally murmurs and weird thumping sounds from above, but they did not last past into the ungodly hours. Perhaps they were afraid of getting us ticked off, or they were bored of merriment. Serenity did not last. Two weeks later, on the nights of Labor Day, during the lockdown, the same modus operandi. Guests started arriving late at night. We could hear their chattering and steps at the hallway. The same people. By now, Sylvia could recognize their black car, and they always parked right across our apartment. It was M.W.'s third transgression, and again during the lockdown. It warranted the troops to come down hard on them. It was the long weekend. It's actually a silly excuse since it's the lockdown. For students, every day is a weekend. We decided to hold on a bit. Maybe they will finish the party soon. Sylvia and I are not the confrontational type of people. Before each confrontation, we would deliberate about going upstairs. 1 a.m. 2 a.m. Noise continued to invade our attempt to sleep. Both Sylvia and I could not sleep. The story repeated itself. Sylvia went up to confront them. With our displeasure shown on Friday evening, we thought that we would have a calm weekend. They could not be so brash as to have another merrymaking that soon. How wrong we were. Not even 24 hours had passed before we started hearing thumping sounds and music. Thumping sounds were more frequent this time. What could this thumping sounds be? It sounded like someone was doing jumping jacks. As usual, Silver and I had bouts of discussions over whether we should confront them. This time round, I was really sick of these endless rounds of mischiefs. Silvio had confronted M.W. on four different occasions in around six months. Each time, M.W. would apologize and appear penitent. And then he would revert back to his old ways. This time was even worse, as he repeated his offense right after we confronted him. He basically had no respect for us and treated us like idiots. Besides, why did Silver and I have to spend time and energy debating whether we should confront him? Why did we have to waste our energy on an imprudent youngster? The more I think about it, the more indignant I felt. Why should we be the ones feeling bad or guilty about complaining about them? At least the first two or three times. I'm not the transgressor. Is it fair for us? To cover the noise, we had to resort to using the fan to cover the noises seeping through from above. That's not fair. I decided to confront them myself. This time wrong. I wasn't confident of my French, especially in terms of making complaints. I decided to adopt the, a strategy of a surprise attack. Yes, surprise attack on two fronts. Me going up since they will be expecting civil, and me speaking English and not French. I assumed that M.W., even if he was not fluent in English, he would know enough English to understand my vexation. Nowadays, most of the Z generation would have a basic level of English. It was slightly past two in the morning. 
apprehensive that I would lose my steam and back out of my game plan, I quickly pulled long-sleeved t-shirts over my pyjamas and went charging upstairs. I put my index finger firmly down on the doorbell two times consecutively, each time holding it for about three seconds, hoping that would annoy them. Right after that, I could hear voices behind the door, a female's and a male's. M.W. had to be peering through the pitbull, confirming his suspicion of Silver's intrusion into the party. Hardly a couple of seconds later, the door was opened. He was dressed as he was attending a social event. Open collar, long white sleeve shirt paired with smart casual pants, ready for an evening out. I said, hello, and started ranting in English. It went something like, do you know what time it is? I cannot sleep because of all the noise. My husband had confronted you several times, etc, etc. I might have mentioned something about the lockdown, or maybe not. I paused a few times during which he would repeat meekly, I'm sorry, very sorry. And he did look remorseful. I did not raise my voice during the outburst. I believed I even had some sort of smile, even an apologetic look of salt, feeling embarrassed that I had to be there to lecture him. It reminded me of an essay titled Why Women Smile by Amy Cunningham that I read recently. That essay has led me to question myself. Why do I have to paste a smile on my face when I was definitely not feeling like it? That's a topic for another day. Back to my neighbour from hell. That was all he mumbled during my less than a minute of tirade. I'm sorry, very sorry. I felt super relieved after the outburst. He could read my displeasure, and I believed he understood the reason for it. It did not matter whether he fully understood my tirade. I felt a rush of adrenaline after my vent. Two nights in a row, Friday and Saturday, they could not be bolder than this. What simpletons we were, the bold young ones. They had another gathering as we heard the friends sleeping up the stairs at night. We were sick of going up and since the noises were slightly toned down, we just let this episode go. So, three nights. Guess what? The story was getting stale. Their brazenness knew no stop. It happened again on Monday night. Four nights in a row. This time, it really bothered Silver. He couldn't sleep a wink the whole night. When I woke up just before 8 in the morning to teach on Tuesday, Silver did something childish. To take his revenge for the sleepless night, the grouchy Silver rushed out to M.W.'s apartment and pressed his doorbell insistently for a few seconds and then quickly came back in. Both of us paused and stared at each other, waiting and hoping to hear the sound of M.W.'s door opening or some movements in his house. A big nada, rgyang, zilch, nothing. Did he leave with his friends? Or was he so deep asleep that he slept right through? Silver went back to sleep until late morning. For him, Tuesday was destroyed. He decided to take a three-prong approach. First, he would confront M.W. and give him the ultimatum. After that, he would acquire some sleeping pills to help him to correct his circadian rhythm. 
if we do not see any amelioration from MW, he will lodge a formal complaint with the building management agent. We approached MW in the same afternoon, and Silver gave him a piece of his mind. I guess we woke him up at 2 in the afternoon when we rang the bell. He opened the door, his hair a tad tousled, and was bare-chested. Silver calmly and rationally pointed out that his behaviour was unacceptable, that MW should talk to his grandfather to get the apartment soundproofed if he wanted to continue with his parties. If not, we'd be forced to lodge a complaint with the police and the building management agent. Like always, MW, in his subdued tone, admitted that he was irresponsible. He apologised for the inconvenience caused and promised to speak with his grandparents. I did not say anything and left the talking to Sue. Throughout his lecture, M.W. interjected from time to time, saying "effectivement" and tout à fait, which means indeed and exactly, as he agreed with whatever Sue had just stated. He looked repentant as he admitted his wrongdoings and promised to change. It's strange. During the day, M.W. gives the mien of a mature and considerate young man and the exact opposite at night. We had a good sleep the last two nights. Either MW is finally taking heed of us, or he's just too tired from the past few nights. We prefer to think that it's the former. Let's see how long this situation will last. What kind of relationship do you have with your neighbours? Are they more considerate than ours? Or worse, how do you deal with such neighbours? I would love to hear about your thoughts. You can leave me a message through Facebook, Instagram or send me an email at yes at juiceclaudia.me Keep safe until the next podcast. Bye! A bientôt! Take care! Portez-vous bien!